Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast, brought to you by HarperCollins Publishers. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hi, welcome to another episode of Editors Unedited, and today we are here with Emily Crump again, so I'm going to let her take it away. Hello, and thanks so much for having us today, Lainey. I'm Emily Crump, Executive Editor at William Morrow, and I'm here today with a wonderful writing duo, Nikki French. Nikki French is the pseudonym of English husband and wife team Nikki Gerard and Sean French. Their acclaimed novels of psychological suspense have sold more than 8 million copies around the world. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sean and Nikki. It's our great pleasure. Thank you for having us. Lovely to be here. Now, Sean and Nikki are joining us from Sweden today. Um, so there might be a little bit of background sound, but we're so excited to have a chance to talk to them. Um, many of you may know Nikki and Sean from their internationally best-selling Frida Klein series, but I'm so excited to be able to talk today with them about their new standalone novel, The Lying Room, on sale October 1st. Would you do us the honor of telling us a little bit about the new book, please? Right. Well, we, in our different books tend to start from different kinds of ideas. You know, sometimes it's the beginning. Uh, sometimes it, it could even be the very end of the book. But this, this, had, this The Lying Room has a really particular germ that, that, that is stimulated, that, you know, that set the whole story off. And it emerged from a conversation we had. And what we imagined was a very ordinary woman getting up in the morning, making breakfast for her family. She's got children and a husband. It's just meant to be the normal sort of, you know, breakfast beginning of the day. They all head off. And at that point, she gets changed. She puts on a different set of clothes, a smarter set of clothes. She gets on her bike and cycles into central London, where she's going to have an assignation with the man she's having an adulterous affair with. She goes into this flat. And she finds her lover, this being a, a Nicky French novel, she finds her lover lying dead on the floor. And she suddenly faces a big dilemma, which is, does she call the police like a good citizen, which would mean upending her whole life? Or does she not tell the police, which means also covering up the crime scene in order to show, you know, to eliminate any trace of being there. And it was that, that dilemma, what did she do at that moment? That we thought, that's the kind of story we'd like to tell. And I, I'll just add to that, that when we were thinking about the line room, and we just finished eight, eight novels in the Free Decline series, and we very much wanted to do something that was completely different from that. So Frida was somebody who was an extraordinary woman, not like us. And Neve, who's the central character in the lying room, is someone who is quite like us. So she's not very good at covering up the crime, for instance. She's, she makes lots of mistakes. And we wanted to read this, this novel absolutely in the domestic. It's a, it's a book that happens in kind of bedrooms and in kitchens and in, and in back gardens. Um, and Neve is racing around trying to kind of trying desperately not to be caught out, trying to kind of cover up what she's done, trying to get away with it. And at the same time, she's having to 
cook meals and um, be the guinea pig. And we envisaged it, so like a bit like a really horrible domestic farce of things going wrong all the time and just and her just hanging on by her fingertips. You can't see me because we're on the phone, but I'm smiling, the biggest smile right now. Um, you actually hit on something that I really wanted to ask about. You guys write such strong female characters, which is something that I personally love. Was Neve a very different character to write than Frida, and how did you go about doing that? So Neve was entirely different from Frida. I mean, I think in a way I just said that one of the things about Frida is we always felt, we always knew that Frida, she was much cleverer than us. She was like an alpha female. She was she could do things that we could only dream of doing. Um, and we were slightly scared of Frida. We kind of wanted her to be our friend, but we didn't really know what she'd make of us. Whereas Neve, we thought about Neve as somebody who's like us, who kind of makes mistakes, who kind of goes wrong, who kind of intends things and then doesn't carry them out. And the other thing that was actually, we didn't quite realise what we were doing until we got to the end of the book, is that actually one of the things that the Lion Room is, is a portrait of a marriage. Um, you know, Neve is somebody, she's been married for a long time. She's got three children, and the eldest in particular, a teenager called Mabel, is very troubled um, and has caused great trouble in the house. She's got a husband who's a bit depressed and kind of struggling with becoming middle-aged. And so she's a woman who's lived like us. I mean, it's not a marriage like ours, but it's the way we were trying to think about how it is to be married to somebody for 20 years or more and how you stay married with them and how you kind of continue to be faithful while still being adventurous. So we thought of her as a kind of, almost as a way of trying to think about getting older, kind of time passing, living with all the mistakes you've ever made. And, and that's what led us through her character. I think that, for me, is one of the things that makes this book so haunting is that there's so much that is so relatable um you can see so much in your own day-to-day life and that for me made it that much more powerful because something has gone so very very wrong you touched a little bit about my next question most people can't imagine writing a book but the idea to of writing a book with your spouse is even harder to imagine um can you talk a little bit about that dynamic and how you go through the process? Can I actually begin by saying that writing a book is hard. To write a book on your own is hard. And I say that writing a book with your, with your partner is, is not even twice as hard, but ten times as hard, just because of, of all the dynamics of, you know, of two different imaginations trying to, um, trying to um, collaborate and, and develop a story. I, I mean, maybe I guess to say that when Nikki and I met, we were both writers. From, from as soon as we met, we had the idea that maybe one day, you know, because since we were writing and reading what the other person wrote, we would try and, and write together. Uh, and, and then we, we just came across an idea that turned into our first book many years ago. Uh, and then we, did, but then we did have this weird problem of how do, how do two people actually collaborate? And... Uh, and create a single voice and a single 
single writer, single imagination. And uh, we found the only way that works for us, which is although we, we plan the stories together and we do all the research together and we go to all the places where the books are set together, we, what we never, ever actually do is we, ne- we never write together. So we, you know, once we once we both decide we've got the story in our in our mind, one of us will write something, this section, maybe a chapter, and then we'll send it to the other, who has the right to, to alter it, change it, add to it, and then they'll carry on writing and send it back, and, to, and then that person can then edit what's been done. And it's a very messy, long process. The important thing to say about that is it's not that it's Sean writing a Sean French and sending it to me and I'm trying to put as much of Mickey Gerard into it as possible. It's not, it's not the two of us kind of battling to kind of get our voice out. It's like we try to make this third voice, the voice of Mrs. French, into which we both write. And we have to try, it's not a power struggle. And we actually revolved three rules. We didn't realise we had them, but bit by bit it came apparent we have three rules. So the first rule is that you never tell anybody who knows which bit. And that's partly because by the time we edited it and changed each other and smoothed it over, um, it, it doesn't make sense, that question. But also it's partly because we both need to own every bit of the book. So if Sean changes nothing of what I've written, he still has to accept that it's Mickey French and vice versa. The, ne- the next rule is that we never summon each other and say, this is what I don't like about what you've done and this is how I'm going to change it, kind of putting a red pen for it. We, do, we always email each other what we've written and invisibly and silently in the space of our own studies, we change it. And then the third rule, which kind of goes along with that really, is that if I write something that I love and I'm very proud of and I send it to Sean and then when I receive the text back, later, I see he's erased it completely and written over it. I'm not allowed to put back my beautiful words because I absolutely have to accept that he's my best reader and editor and I'm his best reader and editor. I love that. It reminds me almost of a bit of a dance where two partners trust each other so beautifully and I think it really it shows on the page. Well, that's very nice of you to say, but you should see when, you should see when I dance. I mean, you might not think of it as that much of a compliment. Well, it is intended as a compliment. Um, one other thing that I'd love to know a little bit more about is what kind of research did you do for The Lying Room? We did actually have to do so much research about, you know, what a body looks like or it's got very little police presence in it, so we didn't have to research that. Mostly what it was, it was just trying to kind of plug ourselves into our domestic situations. I mean, one of the things we did, which we, which we did in the Frida novels as well, is that with Frida, everywhere that Frida walked in London, we walked too. Need doesn't walk to bite everywhere. Frida walks to think and need bites because she's always in a careless hurry and late and about to miss something. So, and everywhere that need bites, we bike. Every building that she went into, we went into. So it was more that kind of immersion into her kind of very particular London world. 
That, that is such a fun thing for me to think about because when I read the book, I feel like I'm there. And to envision both of you going through and going into each of the different houses is really fun. Yeah, I should say that one of the things that happens now and now with our children uh, are grown up is uh, that they're our, they're our first readers. And uh, they got a bit of a shock when they read The Lion Room because the, um, the, the, the flat in which the body is found is exactly, exactly a flat that we used to live in a few years ago and that they, that they knew when they were children. So I think that gave them a bit of a, a bit, it startled them slightly. It hit a little bit close to home, so to speak. <laughs> exactly. No, I think one uh, one of the things that uh, I suppose that writers like us, in a way, we, we you know we're, you're slightly vampiric. You know, you're like vampires about your experience. So everything we do, everyone we know, you know, anything that happens, potentially, you think we always, Nikki and I, are always talking. Could, they, could we use this? Is this a place that would be make a good setting for a book? You know, or some person, or you know, would would, she, would this would she, would she would she be interesting as a character? You know, so this is what we we talk about. Now, do you find yourselves preferring to write in a series, or do you prefer to write standalones? And how are they different, harder, distinct? So that I, I don't know whether there's an exact answer to that question. We were terribly, we were really sad saying goodbye to Frida and there was this kind of extraordinary pleasure in living with this cast of characters and with Frida in particular for nearly a decade and and so it was painful to let her go but the line room it was like a liberation for us one of the things about writing the line room for us which I hope comes across in the pages is that we really had fun doing it. We had fun and we felt very energised by doing it. Um, and there's almost something, I mean, it's not, I think it's not funny, I think it's just like a roller coaster ride, but there's something, it's kind of on the edge of funny, because it's like a farce where everything's going wrong and doors are opening and people falling out. It was like kind of coming back to something that we hadn't done for such a long time. And so we loved it. We loved doing it. Also, um, I'd like to say that I think the kind of ideas we're drawn to, we tend not to write stories about experts, you know, about you know, two days to track down a terrorist. What we're interested in are the kind of things that go wrong in, in absolutely ordinary lives, about people who have one bit of bad luck or make one wrong decision and then set off a chain of events. And in a way, that lends itself more on the whole, to the um, to, to standalone books. Because once you write a series, you tend to, you know, you, you tend to need to have a you have a detective, you know, or a, a running character, and then it, and then it becomes a different kind of story, which is which is great, fascinating, and has its own challenges. In a certain way, with a lion room, it felt like coming home. That's wonderful. So mysteries and suspense novels have become incredibly popular today. Um, and you guys have both been writing for a long time and obviously are big readers as well. What do you think it is about crime fiction that is making it so popular right now? Oh, that's such a big question. We talk about that a lot together. I mean, perhaps one answer, but one part of an answer, is something about life being kind of con confusing, upsetting, and distressing, especially at the moment for lots of us. 
and full of kind of anger and full of conflict. And there's a way in which there's a kind of safe fear about thrillers. So, you know, you, you take the, a kind of something that's chaotic and terrifying and you put a structure on it and you have a narrative to find your way through. And you kind of imagine yourself in the situation and then you imagine yourself out of it. And that must be something to do with it. There's something for me personally, because I'm a, a massive reader of suspense and fiction as well, is about being able to process something terrible in a safe space of a piece of fiction that gives me that gives me great comfort and it's interesting and it's entertaining without it having to be in my own life. And I think um, that's one of the things that makes your books so wonderful is that um, they are such a they are such a great escape while kind of challenging ideas and thoughts and norms of what of of what life could look like if it wasn't if it wasn't your own. Um, I really appreciate that about your novels. Well, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you that's so much. What we I think that really captures what we're trying to do, which is is we need to show people. You know, these are ordinary lives. These are people like us. And I think I think one thing that Nikki and I have always shared is that life is very fragile. That we spend our lives on rather on very thin ice, and it just takes a very small, you know. But we're always two steps away from a psychological thriller at any time in our life. I think the other thing that we write about over again is that people don't get rescued in our books by detectives, by priests by doctors, by lovers. People have to rescue themselves and have to be re- take responsibility for their own lives. And there's something, I think, very empowering about that. Empowering and so important. Um, it, it's a message that everybody has to learn. And if you can learn it through fiction and then apply it in your own life, it's even better, right? <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, now can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on next? Yes, well, but we've actually, uh, we've just finished our the, the book after uh, The Lion Room. But I can actually say, as I did about The Lion Room, about the germ of, of this book. Uh, it, it's, um, uh, we had the idea of, we, we always like to try something that we've never quite done before. And this, the germ of, of this book was to have a, the, a, the, the central character is in prison. And she has to She's in prison, accused of a murder, and she has to solve this murder while being in prison. And the, the, the book is called House of Correction. And all being well, I hope it will be where people will be able to read it in about you know just over a year's time. Sounds fantastic. I know everyone else will be as excited as I am. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today, and. Um, if you are as intrigued by Nikki and Sean's um, comments and books as I am, The Lying Room is on sale October 1st.